Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, and this is the Kobe Told Me Podcast. Yo, whenever I want to deep dive with the Mack himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure, and it's brought to you by the 4th District Podcast Network, would you please consider giving your boy a follow? I'm on all the socials, at Kobe Told Me, on Twitter and Instagram, and I'm on Facebook, at Kobe Mack. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. This is episode 40, the Birds of Prey review. Excuse me. Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey review. Now that's more like it. Another epic week is in the books. The 2020 movie count currently stands at 16. Count them. 16 movies at the theater as of this recording and a bunch more to go. I'm feeling really, really good, y'all. I'm in my groove. This is the most amount of trips that I made to the movie theater in a while this week. Probably why this week has been the busiest of 2020 so far. Of course, it's Valentine's week. There's a shit ton of movies out. I had to watch a lot of them. Had to write about a lot of them. You know what the great thing is? I felt inspired to write a full review, which I'm working on right now. I hope to get that out. I felt inspired to write a full review for Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey, and The Photograph. But y'all gonna have to wait on The Photograph one in a few days. I really want people to get an opportunity to see it. And at the jump, see the photograph. At the jump, I will tell you, it's my favorite movie of the year. That's a tease. But yo, what I've been watching, Birds of Harley Quinn, <laughs> Birds of Prey, the photograph. I caught Sonic the Hedgehog already. I even caught the assistant. Somehow I found it inside of a small theater as well. Um, yeah, I've been watching a lot of stuff at home too. I started that, uh, well, so this is the thing. And, and let me know how flagrant this is, right? For those of folks that, uh, you know, that watch Netflix stuff with their spouses, typically I think there's like this rule, like, oh, don't watch something that I want to watch without me, right? At least that's how it is in the Mac household. I don't know how it is in, in your relationships, your partner, spouses, whatever's and whatnots, right? So is this new series lock and key and i'm like yo let's watch lock and key right like okay it looks interesting we um both me and the mrs mac we really appeal to sci-fi anything right because i you know i heard it's a book she's a really big book head i'm not i said it looks interesting so we watched the first episode right and like yo it's been such a crazy week uh work has been kicking my ass stuff like that yo i get tired and i'm trying my best not to fall asleep not because the show's not interesting like i think the first episode was pretty straight it's it's actually it's really cinematic for this Netflix series that I gave it any credit for. Like it's some really impressive camera work, right? Um, but I fall asleep. Yo, tell me how I woke up fucking at three o'clock in the morning and this chick is over here still watching it. <laughs> she watched it without me. You'd think that she'd be like, oh baby, let's, you know, let's let's finish this another time together. No, she watched damn near the whole series without me. These are hour long episodes, right? And I think there's like 10 of them. And she's, she's on like episode eight, it's three o'clock in the morning. What a jerk, right? So um, so I watched episode one of Lock and Key, and then I watched episode eight, nine, and 10. Um, and I'm actually happy <laughs> that I didn't watch the whole thing, not because it's bad, it just, I feel like it does some, it does some conventional things, and I'm just like, you could have written that so much better. I think the weakest element of that series is just, is really just the writing. Um, and knowing who wrote it, or I guess where the book spawned from, it's uh, Stephen King's son, 
yeah uh, <laughs> I'm sorry ever since I saw in the tall grass I'm, I'm really checked out on the Kings um, and gosh but yo if you did watch lock and key let your boy know what you thought about it um i'm i'm, I'm really getting back on my netflix tip this year i'm trying to you know give it a little bit more uh, attention i'm actually I, I believe i'm gonna be recording with the boys um caleb and dan at netflix and swill podcast so that should be pretty cool um oh fuck i gotta i guess i gotta watch a movie i really need to do that but yo i did get around to watching horse girl uh with alice and brie and okay so <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing about Horse Girl, right? I, the trailer really intrigued me, right? And I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. And I thought it was supposed to be like this psychological thriller. And it it really is like a psychological thriller, but it's also dealing with this woman's really fragile mental state. And I guess her bouts with schizophrenia. I just feel like I've seen more cohesive stories told about that bout. And while Allison Bree's performance was really good, she was very vulnerable. Um, she had some really great delivery lines, really worked well with the moments. I just feel like the way that the story was written really like kind of sucked me out and I wasn't as engaged. And I think I may have dozed off a little bit. So I, before I really put my review out on it, I think I'm willing, I'm willing to try to watch it again. Because right now I'm a little mixed on it. But I cared enough about what Bree did on screen that I'm willing to watch it again. There is some full frontal nudity as well. So I'm really <laughs> willing to watch it again. <laughs> but yo, you know what I'm not willing to watch again, but I probably have no say in, is that I also watched Zombies 2. It's Disney's most recent Disney Channel original movie. I watched it with the whole family. That's how we spent our Valentine's Day. The Mac stayed home. I cooked up some burgers. We ordered some pizza. Um, if you're familiar with the, this uh, this zombies film, you know it's got uh, it's it's about these zombies. <laughs> it's like a movie musical. It's really fun. Actually, the music is pretty damn impressive. And my daughter is a big fan. So the Mini Mac was like, let's do Valentine's Day together, and we did. It was nice little date night for us we you know we ate like a bunch of like not good stuff for us we had snacks we had popcorn this kind of green theme green and pink themed you know valentine's day night it was a lot of fun tell me how we watched that motherfucker twice like back to back we watched the movie and then we watched it immediately again on disney i don't know what witchcraft these people use when they make these films but i literally just watched a brand new film and i could have made time to watch so much other stuff because i'm really behind and i watched that movie zombies 2 back to back but it was fun really good music i mean it's a very formulaic story but it's fun get around to it and if you did watch it let your boy know what you think <laughs> yo shout outs to um ah, to the crew yo rico and jess over at the always the critic podcast um you can follow them on twitter at always critic pod uh earlier this week we got into a really fun conversation about harley quinn birds of prey and it was great i always love chatted up with um with podcasts that i'm such a big fan of and what rico and jess do along with others daniel romero and stuff like that um they're just they're just fun and i like the conversations we have and it's great because you know after the pod we talk a little bit and it's funny like just how many more things we got in common. yo we found out that we like were like in tangents like so close we almost like went to the same church and stuff like that yo it was really really cool uh these, these guys are great and i really hope to um to collab more with them so if you are not following 
the Always a Critic podcast. You are making a mistake, please. Their energy is great. Um, they put in dope research. They're super consistent, very engaging on the social. So please follow them at Always the Critic Pod on Twitter and check out our podcast review for Birds of Prey. You can also check out the Feelin' Film podcast, Black Label. It's out right now. Myself, Aaron Hunley, Kales, a.k.a. Black Nerd Magic, Emmanuel, a.k.a. E-Man's Movie Reviews on the Feelin' Film platform. Um, we got into combating black tropes, and it was dope. I think it's it's a conversation that, me personally, I, I realize I listen to about 50 podcasts throughout the week, right? And I do not hear enough voices that sound like mine. And I think that's on me too, right? Um, I, I have, I mean, there's only so many hours in the day, but I really want to be more intentional at listening to more diverse voices, especially in the space that I work in, in the film critic space, talk. And I, I need to do a better job at that. So I put this out. If you are, if you are a person of color podcaster talking about movies and entertainment, um, please get at me. I want to be on the radar. I want I, I want to be on your radar to add you guys into my uh, my, my queue of podcasts. Um, and I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, there, there's some that I listen to. Like, you know, there's the um, uh, Brooks uh, Brooks's uh, podcast. Uh, I'm Rich's Brooks's podcast. Y'all put me on the spot. Um, like, there's there, there's a there's a lot that are out there. Book of Lies podcast as well. Black girls do stuff podcast. I, I just I'm not doing a good enough job of adding that into my diet and i need to do better at that some kind of brown as well um i just really really need to do better at that so um i'm shouting out all you guys if y'all are familiar with please i want to enrich my life because the conversation that we had on the black label it was great and um we really we invite not just this is not a podcast for black people this is a podcast for everybody but to learn about you know different things that affect the culture and the way that we talk about film and it was great because there's no format we were talking about Birds of Prey because E-Man got a chance to watch it early. And it spun to this beautiful conversation about tropes, um, women tropes, black tropes um, in, you know, in film, you know, uh, the, the, the white savior narrative, uh, magical Negroes, stuff that a lot of folks probably never even realize when they watch a film, but that really do impact the way that we think about film. And I hope you guys really take away from that conversation the exact goal is what we're looking for. Um, I'm excited to record episodes two and uh, so many more coming very, very soon for you guys. So please check out the Feeling Film Black Label. It is out now. Listen to it and get at me and let me know uh, what you want to hear on that podcast. But what I want to hear is the box office from this past week. Yo, at the time called Birds of Prey, <laughs> it is now aptly called Harley Quinn birds of prey it made an underwhelming 33 million dollars at the domestic box office now i'll say this some of the headlines that you guys see where they're like oh it bombed it did not bomb it just underperformed uh, it was funny because like when the last pod that we talked about you know the expectations for this film was to do like over 50 million domestically and like make 100 to 150 million dollars you know worldwide and they must have had those thoughts for a reason now, there's a lot of factors that play to this film's performance. You can chalk it up to the time of the year. You could chalk it up to the marketing. You could chalk it up to the title. There's a lot of things, right? Me, I kind of chalk it up to like this really sick, perverse culture of the way that we interpret women on film, right? Uh, but it's not just that. Like, 
like my man Kevin Brackett said, a lot of it does have to do with the R rating. A lot of it has to do with, you know, the marketing of the film. Now, I saw the film everywhere. So it's not that the marketing was bad. I told y'all before, I wasn't in love with the trailer, right? And I've heard somebody say, I think it was John Campia on the John Campia show on YouTube. And I think he said that, you know, it seemed like the, the trailer didn't say what the movie was about. I mean, yeah, but not every trailer has to spell out what it's about. Fuck, we don't know what Tenet is about but we're still gonna go watch. I just think that when it comes to women on film, we do have these biases and hurdles that we put in its place to really win us over, right? Um, and it, I, I'm, I'm mature enough to be able to accept that. And it sucks that that's the way it is, but yo, that's the way it is. This is not a Birds of Prey movie and it never should have been built up as a Birds of Prey movie. And Margot Robbie, like she's a big producer on this film. You know, it's up to her and her team in the studio to really say what this movie's about. This is a Harley Quinn movie. And aptly, Warner Brothers decided that after the underperformance of the weekend, we're going to change the title on every film screen to say Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey. Um, and I'm cool with that, right? It just sucks that it had to happen, you know, the way that it did. Um, but like, to be honest with you, the film cost $85 million to make and worldwide it made 81.6. It damn near made its budget back. So everybody chill out. This ain't a bomb. And we still have a lot of time. Yo, I still feel like this film is going to be successful. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what tomorrow brings with the totals um, and kind of figure out like what it's been doing throughout the week and what it's going to do in its second week. There's a lot of competition. There's a kids movie that's out with Sonic the Hedgehog. There's a black romance movie that's out with The Photograph. There's a horror movie that's out with Fantasy Island. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to be that's attention is going to be divided. And maybe it wasn't good to have the film come out on the same weekend as the Oscars weekend, you know, the busiest weekend or the weekend right after the Super Bowl. There's a lot of shit that's been happening these past successive weekends. You got the NBA All-Star weekend this weekend. So it's going to be very curious to see. But to be honest with y'all, yo, I really liked it. Like, it is definitely fun. It's definitely outrageous. And it's cool. It's stylized. Like, this movie lives up to its name. Well, at the time, it did. It's fantabulous. Like, if you think of that word and how extravagant and big it sounds, that's what it was. Like, Margot Robbie, she takes her Harley Quinn to another level in this film. And the thing is, is that she's got the room to really play with the character. She ditches a lot of the restraints from Suicide Squad. And what's great about this film is that it builds off that world. It didn't shit on it, which I was really surprised because it bothers me so much when people are like, oh, Suicide Squad is awful. Fuck that. It's not. It's fun, okay? It is a narrative. It's very messy narratively in the second act of the film. But I will defend the fuck out of that first act so much. It is so fun. And we forget, these are comic book movies. As great as the Nolan Batman trilogy was, the biggest thing that it did to the DC universe is that it grounded it so much that people think that all the DC films have to be like that. Where it took away the magic and the mythos of the Batman character, right? And because of how successful that franchise was and how successful the MCU is, for some reason when it comes to the most beloved characters in comic book history, we've gotten so stubborn that they have to look like that. Okay, well, take DC and make it look like either a mix of Nolan and a mix of MCU. We're not going to get that. Like, these are cartoon characters. Harley Quinn, specifically, is a cartoon character. She didn't come from the comic book. She came from the Batman the Animated Series. So I give so much freedom for these creatives and storytellers to just tell a story. I'm not trying to give it rules to play by. Play by the rules that you set up in their own universe. And I fucking promise you, if you use that logic, if you say, hey, listen, 
I'm gonna go ahead and just say, play by the rules that you build with your own universe in your own film, and I'm not gonna hold it up to the standard of Nolan, or I'm not gonna hold it up to the standard of the MCU. These films are gonna be just fine. Chill out. <laughs> like, really, really do. And the fact that this film didn't shit on what Ayer did with Suicide Squad, I thought was great. I think he amplified it because the lens of this film is Harley Quinn. So we're seeing this person who is unstable, folks. Let's not forget this. This unstable woman who has been inside of a bad relationship, all right? Fuck that whole Harley Joker goals. That's not goals. They are, they, they are a, a horrible couple, and that is not anything that any couple should be aspiring to be like, okay? But the fact that she was still able to have this really unique aesthetic that was completely colorful was great. I really love the world that was built here. It's a different way of looking at Gotham City. Like, we just recently got the Joker's Gotham, back in like you know the late 70s and 80s and it's this dirty smelly dark place and then we think of what snyder did with his gotham also dark but right across the bay from metropolis and it's weird that this gotham that we have in harley quinn birds of prey is so much brighter like there's a lot of stuff that's happening during the day there's not much nighttime scenes in this film which i thought was really cool i think that was a really great choice by katian the director and you have new characters that are being introduced, and I think that they were done in a really cool way. Black Canary. Yo, Journey, Smollett, Belle, my goodness. I've had a crush on this little, like a little girl. I've had a crush on this woman since she was a little girl. Keep in mind, I was a little boy too, so it's not weird, okay? When she was best friends with Michelle from Full House, and I've been following her career ever since, and she kicks ass in this movie. You got Renee Montoya and Huntress. They're respectively played by Rosie Perez and uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. They do a really good job. Renee Montoya is this kind of like caricature of a female 80s cop, and they played that up in the film. The Huntress, which, like, you gotta understand, like, when she came up, I think it was like in the 70s or the 80s, she's had different, you know, translations of what that character is. Most recently, she's been done successfully on the Arrow TV show on the CW. So I think some people are kind of familiar with that character. But I think what Mary Elizabeth Winstead, one, brought to the character and the way that, um, uh, that it was written was done well. I really do believe it was done really well. Um, and there wasn't a lot of her in the film. And some people were upset about that. But like, did it work or did it not work? Like, not that, oh, well, I wanted more. Yes, but did it work in the span of, like, the narrative? Yes, it does. For what the film asked for to be, it worked with that. But you can always say, yeah, but I wanted more. But that's not going to, like, say, oh, well, it's bad because I wanted more. Nah. Like, come on. Like, be more mature, right? Like, they're, they're both solid, you know? Um, and then also you had Ewan McGregor. Yo, okay. So I got a little bit of shit for this. Ewan McGregor's Black Mask is crazy good from an actor standpoint. You know, keep in mind, I I, 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 I I teach acting and I understand it. Um, and I think I'm pretty good at it, okay? What he does in this film, I put in the conversation of the way that Heath brought Joker to life or the way that Joaquin brought Joker to life. He's one of the best DCEU villains that we've ever had. He's 
really, really good. He's sinister. He's sick. He, this guy is like what he does in his delivery, working in with beats, the, the performance that he brings with his eyes and his mannerisms. It is so good. Ewan steals the show a lot when he's on camera. And I, oh my God, I love it. Like, And the film has great action. Let, let, let us not forget that. It is great action. They brought the guys over uh, from uh, the John Wick films to work and clean up some of the action. You could tell there's some really great intense fights. I'm really excited. I cannot wait to watch this again it's a really really fun film like really fun movie and oh my gosh I like I really really can't wait and there's a mix of like this this meta you know what kind of sucks is that Deadpool did Deadpool so damn good everything now feels like it's derivative from Deadpool and it's not now don't get me wrong I think WB wants Harley Quinn to be like a female Deadpool they want that Deadpool money right and they may have you know made some choices with her character where she breaks the fourth wall but let me tell you something she's been doing that for like the past i think like five plus years in all honesty if you look at the harley quinn inside of the animated series um in different iterations of that she's been doing that a whole lot she's much more self-aware much more meta it's 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 it just is what it is and i think that there's great comic book movie goods in this film there's a few pacing issues that i'll admit and i do wish that the script was a little bit tighter right but like with those little elements i still think that there's a lot to love with this movie like there really really is it really delivers on being everything that i hoped for it to be and if it didn't work out for you yo i'm sorry about that um but if you went in with a hard heart and an unopened mind then yeah you were probably not going to be able to really tolerate this film um and I, yo i don't I'm, I'm i'm blocking out the noise for so oh, this is a women's progressive what's wrong what's wrong with women progressing what's wrong with like you know being woke i don't understand those those laments so i'm really not going to try to entertain them too much but yo if you are on the fence yo kobe told me that this film is fun it is a solid eight out of ten it's a great movie a great time and please go out and check it out so that was your number one film of this past week number two you have bad boys for life still trucking away it made $12 million off its $90 million budget. It's made $337 million so far. Great. 1917 got that good old Oscars bump. It made $9.4 million. Um, it's at $291 million worldwide. Dr. Doolittle somehow is making money. It dropped like 8% to only make $6.5 million. I think that's that starvation that families are looking for a family film and there wasn't much, you know. So um, Dr. Doolittle made $6.5 million. It's made $161 million worldwide. Now, there's so many films that would love that box office total, but because it costs so much to make, it's probably still gonna lose a lot of money, but nowhere near what people thought it was gonna lose, which I think is actually pretty impressive. Um, Jumanji in the next level is still in the top five. It made another six million. It's made $768 million so far. The Gentleman drops to number six at 4.2 million. It's made $60.7 million worldwide. Gretel and Hassel, is at three and a half million number seven spot made 8.8 .8 million worldwide little women is still making money with 2.37 million star wars and number nine with 2.31 million and knives out is your number 10 film with that oscars bump making 2.2 million dollars and just got announced that not only are they in development for a uh, uh second film uh coming from ryan johnson but they're looking for a title so if you got a clever title you'll uh, definitely get at them and uh, they may consider it uh, i think aaron huntley said uh knives out to uh the forks over I, I don't know something like something cute right um and what's in the top 10 excuse me what's not in the top 10 is the rhythm section that movie wow that's bomb 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 bomb, bomb. it made a million dollars last weekend off its 50 million dollar budget it's only made 5.3 million dollars so far really 
really crazy. Oh my God, I'm pretty sure Blake was not prepared to kind of have something like that. But yo, also this past weekend we had the Oscars and man, it was a really good show. Um, I think it, the show, it's crazy. The show flows and it still went over. Like it was still moving, but it still went over. It needs to be a solid three and a half hour show. So that way it never feel like that we're running behind and just start it. 30 minutes earlier. I don't think that hurts. But Janelle Monet, she showed up. Um, she showed out. She opened up the Oscar ceremony with this really great musical number. It was really fun. You had Steve Martin and Chris Rock return. It was weird. Like, even though that there was no host in the show, and yo, to be honest with you, it doesn't need a host, they still kind of, you know, invited a lot of big names and personalities and celebrities to be a part of the show and kind of play mini hosts throughout. So Steve Martin and Chris Rock kind of did like a tandem opening monologue that was funny. Um, there was awesome, really cool video montages of all of all the actors' performances, which I think was a, a, a unique take. Um, it definitely made that those awards recognitions a little bit longer than what they used to be. And traditionally, there's always been these video montages and clips of the Best Picture nominees sprinkled throughout the film, and they kind of ditched those. So, I mean, it was fine. And I will say, the acting categories were pretty much chalk. You already knew it going in. You know, Brad Pitt won for Best Supporting Actor, Laura Dern won for Best Supporting Actress, Joaquin won for Best Actor, and then you also had Renee Zellweger win for Best Actress. Um, I think that all the speeches were fine. Um, uh, Brad Pitt was good. Laura Dern was really good. Her speech was great. Um, I wasn't in love with Joaquin's speech. Um, I've always dreamt of having an Oscar speech, and I just think that there's, man, there, they, they, I'd, I'd really cherish that opportunity. And I mean, he knew he knew that he was gonna win. I just feel like that, whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm, I don't want to show this moment. Um, you know, and Renee's was all right. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but yo, Toy Story won, which I thought that Klaus was going to pull it in. Let me tell you something. My Oscars predictions, they didn't look good. They got shitted on bad. I think I was like 16 out of 24. It's my lowest that I've had in years. And I just, the way that I thought that the Academy was moving, I, I guess I got wrong. Um, but I think the pendulum is going to completely swing another way. So expect next year's Oscars to, to have the whitest film that you can imagine <laughs> win Best Picture, man. But it was cool. There was a lot of surprises. Eminem had a surprise performance with Lose Yourself, which was really, really cool. Cynthia Revo killed it with her performance, um, you know, from her film and Harriet. Like, to be honest with you, I'm like, why don't we just have a Harriet movie musical? Like, it was it was that good. But I think the, the biggest winner of the night was Bong Joon-ho and Parasite. Um, we expected it to win international feature film. I didn't expect it to win best original screenplay. I really thought that that was they're going to be Quentin Tarantino's win or it was going to be, um, you know, it was going to be Noah Baumbach for me personally. Um, uh, I, I'm really surprised. And thing is, Bong Joon-ho was surprised when he won for best director. It seems like this was Sam Mendes's, you know, year uh, for what he did in 1917. And, you know, I, I tell you guys, I, I had my issues just mainly with the, you know, with this not great story in 1917 technically it's an absolutely marvelous film but parasite even with my issues and it's only the issues in the last 20 minutes i think i really need to watch it for a second time i really really do um because everything that happens up until that last 20 minutes it's like in my top five films of the year like it's really really good so it's super strong direction so i i, I absolutely you know give it that award and the fact that it won best picture you could just see the momentum coming it was nuts and what i love is just seeing how how passionate he was about his win because he didn't expect it and he was genuinely floored by it and i think that that was it was so cool to be able to watch um it really really was it was a great show and it gets me excited for a brand new year to do this all over again i'm gonna commit to being better at uh tracking <laughs> a lot of the awards caliber performances because let me tell y'all something the show that i'm working on right now with the uh with the golden Cobes, 
it is a daunting task to do this on my own by trying to build up these categories and really make it fun and really thinking about all the performances and all the different moments that I've seen from the 175 plus films that I watched in 2019. I need to make sure I do this along as we go because <laughs> you guys are going to get a great show coming out this week. I'm going to go ahead and do the Kobe Told Me Top 25 episode and the Golden Cobes pretty much as simultaneous drops, probably like a day after one another, just because, you know, it doesn't make sense to kind of give an award for best picture at the Golden Cobes when I'm, you're going to know what my number one film will be at that point. It'd be kind of hard or I could switch it up. I haven't recorded yet. I haven't figured that out just yet. Um, so be on the lookout for that coming up next week. Continue to keep track of my Of 29 series. I'm celebrating black actors and black actresses that impressed upon my love for cinema. I'm dropping them every day. Unfortunately, this week was so busy, like I didn't do it for four days straight and I just did a big dump, um, but it's great. Uh, there's some really cool names and, and I think it's great. The folks that kind of interact with those tweets and like, man, yeah, that guy was good. I, I'm, I'm really trying to focus on the, the the black actors and actresses that have formed on my childhood really growing up. Um, and what I'm finding really hard is that it's so much easier honoring these black kings. It is tough trying to figure out the black queens and it just, it's more of a testament to how difficult it was for black actresses to get work in Hollywood that they just weren't, they weren't given an opportunity to really to do much and it's man it's really really unfortunate uh, so i hope you guys are really enjoying that series um as well um and of course yo what we got coming out this week you had the photograph you got sonic the hedgehog downhill fantasy island i guess in some places a portrait of lady on fire i really want to watch this movie but it's nowhere in fucking atlanta it's really oh, it's maddening um but you also have um to all the boys to the sequel to all the boys i love before it's called to all the boys P.S. I still love you. Um, I need to watch that like right now because I have a podcast and I have to record about it a little bit later this evening. Um, sorry. <laughs> Netflix and Swill. I'm going to get on it real fast. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's so much stuff coming on. Uh, February is super, super busy, but I am here for it for you guys. Uh, yo, continue to check out all of my written content at kobetomi.com when it gets put up there. And of course, you can listen to me co-hosting with the crew at the Minority Support Film Podcast. You can follow all of our crazy commentary at mreportpod on Twitter. Uh, we just dropped a new episode this morning. Make sure to give it a listen for that unique voice. And remember, when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. <laughs>